This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 101, recorded on the 6th of April, 2017. On today's show, camps and the environment. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or most other places you get your favorite podcasts. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by Go Camp Pro. Go Camp Pro is a year-round resource for the true summer camp mavericks, the camp pros who can't stand it when people say, but that's not how we do it around here. Go Camp Pro is a community of year-round summer camp professionals, people who empower each other to make the big changes that camp needs so that our campers and staff will go and change the world. Make sure you sign up for the Go Camp Pro newsletter at zoic.ca forward slash gcp news. And this week's episode is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you could show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker show. Hello, camp pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I'm a summer camp marketing and strategy consultant. I am the founder of the Summer Camp Professionals group on Facebook and also one of the co-founders of Go Camp Pro. Uh, my work that I do is helping camps translate the wonderful things that they do into a language that inspires camps parents to send their children to summer camp. Hi, and my name is Danny Subin. I'm the founder and managing director of Green Camps Initiative. Um, I'm currently based in Texas, traveling around doing ropes coursework and helping to build the sustainable camps movement. And my name is Jacob Rodenberg, and I'm the executive director of Camp Kawartha, located in beautiful Lakefield, Ontario, two hours from Toronto. Hello, I am Seth Hirschtel. I am the co-owner director, along with my wife, Lauren Popkin Hirschtel, of Blue Star Camps. This will be our 70th anniversary season. We are third generation leadership, and we are in the great state of North Carolina. It is a great state, North Carolina. I agree. So, Seth, I'm going to start with you and dig into the the history of, of each of you for just a moment before we move on to today's topic. Um, so, Summer Camp's family business for you, is it? Yes, I married into uh, the, the Popkin family. Uh, my wife's grandparents and great aunts and uncles founded Blue Star back in 1948. So, yes, I married married well. <laughs> That's awesome. How did you get connected to camp yourself? Sure. So I started going to camp um, in late elementary school. I grew up in South Florida and uh, a bunch of the, my buddies from school all went to a summer camp that our school owned. Uh, so it's actually a camp in the same area, Camp Highlander. We'll give them the shout out. We're, yeah. still, we're still all close. Uh, I went there for 12 years, camper, counselor, head, uh, male counselor. So did the traditional sort of uh, up through the ranks. Always had a strong passion uh, for education and particularly uh, alternative education, non-traditional, and I found my way back uh, back to summer camp. Amazing. That's amazing. 
Well, welcome to Camp Hacker Stuff. It's uh, it's great to have you here. I look forward to hearing some of the, the cool things that you folks are doing and uh, your, in, your input into this topic. Thank you, Travis. Great to be here. And uh, Jacob, for you, what's what's your connection to summer camp? Where did it start? Yeah, I think it started when I was a kid and I was kicked outside by my parents yeah. and frolicked and romped in the beautiful green spaces around where we grew up. And I've always been interested in outdoor education and teaching kids to connect to nature. So eventually I became an outdoor ed instructor and then a, a director of a camp and an outdoor center. And yep. I've loved it ever since. Amazing. That's great. Jacob, was there, there one moment in particular where um, that stands out for you in your camp experience that really changed your perception and your desire to do this full time? Yeah, I think it was when I took a group of 16 and 17 year olds on a swamp walk and we were up to our necks and armpits in swampy water and we immersed <laughs> in swampness. And what was amazing about that is we got a chance to be in the natural world in such a visceral way. I thought, you know, kids are missing this. What can I do to make sure that every child has access to nature? That's my passion. Right. Amazing. Seth, for you, was there one particular moment where you said, I, I got to be, this is what I got to do? Um, I think from if I don't my, my story is not as good as uh, as Jacob's. There's no swamp water, uh, <laughs> although in Florida growing up we were near the Everglades. Uh, I always loved camp. Uh, my closest friends, um, those relationships that are still with me today, uh, are from camp. So I think the power of those human connections um, that's always uh, been there for me. I've always felt uh, on my education uh, journey, which has taken me through Duke. Uh, undergrad, uh, and then to the Harvard Graduate School of Education, studying school leadership, specifically, again, non-traditional leadership and education. Uh, I've always thought that all of life, uh, you know, takes place in the context of relationships, and nothing has affirmed that and continues to reaffirm that more uh, than than the summer camp experience. Right, right, right. That's awesome. And uh, it, the the third voice that you've heard, or the 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 bearded guy that you're seeing on YouTube as you're watching this uh, is Danny. And, and Danny is the, the connector between all of us. And uh, Danny, we're talking about your project specifically, but uh, your, your own camp background, how did you get started in camp? Yeah, so my brother actually went to a YMCA camp in North Carolina called Camp Haynes. Um, and I followed in his footsteps as a camper. I was probably seven or eight years old my first summer out there. And Spent about 11 or 12 summers going out there and went up through the leadership development program, had some great mentors, um, and really got my exposure to leadership and all that camp uh, provides. Um, in college, I was graduating with a degree in sociology, not really sure what I was going to do with that at the time. Um, so I got online, I Googled camps in California, I wanted yeah. to be out in California. It's always the dream, right? Um, and the first thing that popped up was Catalina Island Camps. Um, and I applied to be the ropes course director. Uh, they brought me on, and what I thought was just going to be a summer job turned into a, a seven-year uh, long, wonderful, life-changing journey where I uh, was a program director for their summer camp program um, and, and for their outdoor education program during the year. Um, and that's what really taught me about sustainability. And Catalina Island Camps does a great job of, of incorporating sustainable development as well as education into their program. Um, and that inspired me to uh, see where there's an opportunity for additional sustainable growth in the rest of the camp community um, and thus started my journey for Green Camps Initiative. 
Amazing. Amazing. Well, and Catalina Island Camps is certainly a name that's been heard by long-term listeners of Camp Acker. Tom's been on the podcast a number of times. And so great to have another Catalina Island Camps-inspired professional uh, in the industry and certainly to bring this topic up. So we're united by by this topic today and, and Danny's work on the Green Camps Initiative. And we wanted to spend some time and talk about how... Um, we as camps can take part in this, do the, some of the, the easy things for us to do to transition camps to a more environmentally focused philosophy, but then some of the bigger challenges to that and also how we can do, as Jacob described, inspire kids to be involved in make, in, in nature and um, take what they can out of the, the learnings that we can provide at camp to, to do that. So, Danny, how come you... You started the Green Camps Initiative. What was the need that you saw? Well, you know, I saw that most camps are taking youth and adults out into the natural world. And I think that the first part of sustainability is really just establishing a love for it. Uh, Jacques Cousteau says you protect what you love. And so camps are they're setting up the stage beautifully to bring youth into the natural world and create that love and that appreciation. Um, I did see, however, a disconnect when we would take our campers back into our facilities and operate programming um, in ways where we would see um, waste streams uh, that right. were being created from activities at camp, um, inefficiencies in energy use and water use. Um, and so I, I saw this great opportunity that we could tie these things together. Um, and in the true spirit of sustainability, how can we make those connections beneficial? Um, so anytime you implement an initiative, how is it going to benefit your organization? And sustainability focuses on that triple bottom line. And so we want to look at how we can save money when we make those choices. We want to look at how we can improve uh, or leave a smaller impact on our environments, reduce our environmental impact. And then also the education or the social opportunity to teach the millions. I think ACA states there's 6.9 million youth and adults in the U.S. alone that are being impacted by camp. And so what a great opportunity to build upon the great education um, that camps are already providing for uh, critical thinking, those 21st century learning skills and bring sustainability into those so that we can send our campers home and we get those calls from parents. We already get the calls saying, what'd you do to my kid? They're, yeah. they're sweeping after, after, after themselves. They're cleaning their plates <laughs> off and doing all that. What if we can incorporate some behavioral change related to sustainability? So turning lights off, uh, turning the water off when you're brushing your teeth is some really basic one. So I saw that opportunity and wanted to bring those things together because I'm passionate about both of those ideas. And uh, camp has taught me that you know, no, no challenge is too big yeah. and we can, we can really accomplish anything when you have a group of really passionate people. Amazing. So Jacob, um, Cape Cortha has a, a long history here in Ontario as a, a leader in environmental education and certainly you know, just environmental consideration in terms of program and facilities impact. Uh, what have been some of the things that you have seen that have had the biggest impact that really have have been a cultural change or really get the story out to yeah. kids in the best possible way i think one of the most important things we can do for children is teach what are called the four r's from anishinaabe tradition or ojibwe tradition which are the first nations people of this land in this area um, they talk about building a relationship 
And so what we talk about relationships, we mean, you know, building understanding and empathy between ourselves, but we should also extend that out to the living world and recognize that the community we live in is more just than the buildings and streets, but it also is the living things that we're immersed in. So if I had one message to pass on is teaching children about the na their neighborhood, which is yeah. more than their neighborhood. It's yes. Everything that is part of the living systems that nurture and support us all. But, you know, from relationship flows the idea of respect. Uh, once you recognize that you are surrounded by beings, not just objects, then you're going to treat them with a bit of respect. And then from that, it's the idea of reciprocity, that uh, you re recognize nature and the natural world gives, so you want to give back. And at the end of that is the idea of responsibility, um, so that you feel like you have a role and a goal to play to teach kids to become responsible for making a better world. And so for me, um, environmental education is about empowerment. So you have to attend to the child's ability. So what is a five-year-old capable of doing versus a seven-year-old versus a 12-year-old? So you have to give them projects they feel good about completing, that they're capable of completing, that inspire them to want to do more. In the end, we want to raise environmental stewards. And that can only happen if we don't scare them, but we inspire them. Yeah. It doesn't really talk much about what we're doing. So we have a whole bunch of programs that are linked to that idea of empowerment. So things like um, learning to make butterfly houses, learning about bees, learning about um, naturalizing schoolyards, all that sort of stuff. And what that does is that's within a scope that a kid can see, bear witness to, and see their impact and effect. Right. And, and yes, uh, saving energy is important and building our buildings more responsibly is important. And that I think older kids can understand a little bit better. So it's just recognizing what tools work best for what kids at what age. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And really keeping it at a level that, well, that the message gets across well, that they, they get it. Yeah. And if I can just say one more thing, we're, we're working on a, what we call a pathway to stewardship where we have um, land trust, conservation authorities, school boards, and we're trying to isolate what we feel kids need at every age to become engaged stewards. And we're trying to coordinate our efforts, camps and schools and conservation areas to make sure that every kid has those seminal experiences so that they'll grow up to be stewards. And if anyone's interested more about that, just Google pathway to stewardship. Great, thank you for that. Seth, for you, what's what's the philosophy or what's the message that you're trying to get uh, across to your campers and staff? Sure. So uh, Blue Star uh, was founded uh, on on those core principles of social justice um, and social action. And that's uh, manifested in different ways over the last uh, seven decades. Uh, uh, Roger's grandfather, Herman Popkin, and father, Roger Popkin, when they sort of were uh, transitioning between generational leadership, um, they, they uh, led uh, ACA, you know, award-winning program uh, called Camping Unlimited, uh, which brought uh, campers um, from all over the South, um, specifically, uh, you know, black and white campers together. Uh, including, you know, grandchild of, of, of Dr. King, Coretta Scott King, uh, used to help uh, run that part of staff training. Um, so some pretty deep civil rights uh, roots. Yeah. Um, and, and for us and our generation, third generation leadership, uh, we're trying to channel that uh, and combine environmental stewardship, which Jacob uh, just mentioned, 
and really make it all about healing the planet. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty clear. I guess in Canada, it's much more clear of uh, uh, the science, uh, which is that climate change is real and we are as human beings having an impact. And to step away from the politics of it in the United States and just take it from a global perspective, clearly the climate is changing. So without getting into politics at camp, but just focusing on what we can do, um, you know, and and trying to model um, engagement uh, f for our campers, um, it's uh, what we're trying to do is focus that on um, on the earth in a, in a myriad, uh, you know, in myriad ways. Uh, so one thing that we began with about five years ago um, is one of our longtime alums, Avi Janagli, who uh, works has has worked closely with Danny uh, at Green Camps Initiative. He sort of um, uh, we started the conservation generation, um, a, a term that he brought to us, kind of his giving back to Blue Star. And we've maintained that idea as we've gone through summer to summer and added on different both behavioral change approaches and just cer certain physical things that we've done um, to continue to green our uh, our physical space and sort of green our programming uh, development as well. So, Excellent. Excellent. I, I'm grateful we started with the, the big thinking part of this. Um, and I, I do want to come back to some of the, the ideas that, that Jacob's introduced of the practical on the ground things we can do. But let's say in, in philosophy for, for a moment. Danny, what are the philosophies? What are the discussions camps have to have to begin a process of being more sensitive to this and, and considering their own leadership role in environmental education? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest challenges that, that we face about bringing sustainable initiatives and solutions into any organization, camp or otherwise, um, is just the overwhelmingness of that word sustainability. And so I really think that defining sustainability as it applies to your organization is really an important step. Um, and doing that by getting key stakeholders within the organization to come together that are interested, that are really interested, not drug in there necessarily, yeah. although sometimes that can be beneficial too, yeah. um, but just have the conversation and, and, and create a definition, uh, create conservation policies and include it in your mission. And it's going to look different for everyone. And that's one of the things I've really liked about working with the different camps that I have is that, you know, when I can give you a template for what a green team looks like or for what a conservation policy looks like, I tell you to tear it apart and make it your own mm -hmm. because you can learn from what other camps are doing. But ultimately, if you take ideas of what other people are doing and you haven't thought about how they fit in within your organizational model, then it's going to be really challenging. Um, so when you start implementing those practical on the ground solutions, you need to make sure that you have support from all different levels of that. Um, so I think defining is a really important one. Um, and then what can it look like? You know, looking at case studies. So that's a big thing that Green Camps Initiative is pushing for. We want to gather case studies of practical initiatives from camps that serve different size um, groups of campers, um, that serve youth, that serve adults, uh, that serve and operate in different regions, and put those case studies together so that you as a camp professional can look up and say, you know, I want to do a composting initiative rather than me just Googling composting, because there's tons of resources out there. There's mm -hmm. tons of composting resources, but you're gonna get lost in it. And so start by looking at what other camps are doing. And those case studies will help show what are the successes that we had and what are the challenges that we came across. Um, so those case studies can really set you up 
to reduce the amount of work and hopefully stress and resources that are going to go into implementing a new sustainable initiative or a policy um, by having a lot of background information. So um, again, I think defining sustainability and understanding what it could potentially look like are really good starting points. Um, and that green team, get those people together, have the conversation. That's really your first step. Yes. Great. Jacob, what would you think would be the, the most effective questions a, a camp could or a camp leader, leader could start to ask to um, raise awareness and begin? I think camps in general are nominally better at environmentalism than, I don't know, schools, uh, towns, whatever. We're probably in general a little bit better than all that. But what are the questions that we can ask that really start to make this um, a centering philosophy of our, our camp programs? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think it comes down to agency. And right. what I mean by that is what do the resources enable our camp to do? Yeah. So it might be a small camp with not much of a reach, but within your the culture of your organization, can you, for example, include more nature-based programming, conclude a couple of elements of how you save energy, how you um, reduce your ecological footprint. So I think you have to start where you are and make small but uh, determined steps. And, and you can, through that, those small steps can add up to make a big difference. Um, so there's no one size fits all. I think, you know, partnering with other camps is a great idea, partnering with other organizations and seeing what they're doing and learning from them is a tremendous idea. Um, and I think Green Camps is a great role to play in helping connect camps to resources. So uh, kudos to Danny for making that happen. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. Seth, I'm, I'm curious for you folks how uh, the stuff you do on, in a day at camp, how that is, um, well, you certainly talked about one effect too for having one of your alumni being doing some work with Danny, but how have you seen this daily at camp stuff impact families, communities wider than just a day at camp? Sure. Uh, and that's, you know, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, or maybe before uh, we went on, uh, the concept of sort of ta uh, taking the microcosms uh, of what's happening out there at all of, of our, you know, wonderful camps across the, the world uh, and, and bringing that and spreading that out. So my, one of my first camp directors and mentors um, always spoke about at the weekly campfire uh, about the ripple effect. Mm -hmm. um, so the camp experience is all about an intentional camp experience, which all of us on here are focused on, yeah. uh, is dropping the pebble in the water and the still water, and then over time, it ripples back out as every camper, every staff member takes it back into their home community. So um, for us, for example, uh, Danny at Green Camps Initiative referenced case studies. It's really a foundational approach that they have, um, which is, you know, Ahead, you know, similar to, for example, the Harvard Business School, you know, is a case study approach. So he's pretty, you know, Danny's on to something there with this case study idea. Yeah. Uh, so the first case study that we did, um, again, with Conservation Generation was all about water conservation. Um, and so the, the, the baseline was very simple. Turning off the tap when you brush your teeth, shorter showers, 
uh, you know, I mean, super simple, but the approach, the, the amount of effort, time, energy, resources that went into making those, you know, those couple few outcomes happen was vast and planned for an entire year, reinforced all summer. And then we did research and the research um, to get to your question, yeah. uh, went out to uh, campers, every camper who participated that summer in our specific water conservation program. Uh, moreover, the, it went out in, in multiple ways to every parent or guardian of every camper who was at camp that summer, third to every staff member. So the data, which has been crunched, not by me, uh, but out, uh, was crunched, was very clear uh, that absolutely uh, campers were talking about it, were making, again, incremental changes at home with, how, with things that they were doing when they brushed their teeth at night. Uh, par and parents were very clear about that and staff members uh, referenced and would then send us Instagram things and all these other things of ways they were working it into their college, sorority or fraternity things, saving water. I mean, it was, you know, um, yeah, yeah, again, did we affect every single person who came to camp that summer that we did that? Of course not. However, uh, you know, did we have an incremental effect on a on absolutely on a substantive number of human beings who who now have these ideas, in this case, water conservation, kind of in their brains, absolutely we did. So, uh, you know, like Jacob mentioned, small efforts can go a long way, you know, in the context of the ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, Danny, from your perspective, having looked at, talked to, studied the, the case studies, what are some of the things that camps can do to have a big effect? I love the water conservation one. I like that it, that it um, continues on throughout the years. What are some of the other things that you can see that really are, um, you know, opening the eyes of, of campers and staff? Yeah, I think, you know, I like the term low-hanging fruits. Um, I think the low hanging fruits of initiative, like changing out light bulbs, um, looking at low flow shower heads, uh, policy is huge, kind of implementing policies and even simple policies. It doesn't have to be a big, thick booklet of it, but turn the water off when you're not brushing your teeth. And I, that was a big part of that conservation generation studies. Y'all had those policies that went along with it to help change, uh, do that behavioral change, which is a big part of that study. Um, but I, I think really, you know, understanding the management of what it's going to take to implement those is really, really important. So before you go implement uh, one of these behavioral change or implement one of these initiatives to start a case study, really think through the long term of that. Because a lot of the problems that I run into when a camp starts a composting program and it goes away is that there hasn't been good communication. Um, a lot of these projects are going to fall on the site managers at camps. And they're often left out and just told like, hey, you need to uh, go track this compost back to back at camp every single day. And they're like, what? Um, how are you doing this? So I think good communication to make sure that there are good management systems and realistic and practical ones in there. Um, and you start small. Um, on Catalina Island camps, uh, Travis Langan is our outdoor education manager um, at the program and started our garden. And so the garden has grown into this beautiful example of, uh, of a sustainable education uh, station where we talk about composting and gardening and um, uh, permaculture and all these great concepts. But he started with one three by three foot, three foot deep compost pit. And we had like one small planter box. And today it's just, it's grown immensely. And it's amazing to see what he came from, but he didn't start by plowing or kind of putting in 15 planter boxes. He started yeah. really small 
and, and to get support. And the other part, and we had touched on this before, is culture. I think in order for these things to be successful, you have to build that culture. So if you start small, in your first summer, you talk about turning the water off when you brush your teeth and why our organization has made a commitment to this. And these are the ways that we're doing it and that you can support us in these initiatives. Um, you build that culture because when you get 50 to 75% of your campers coming back next year, they're going to know because that culture is a part of that camp that, you know, we turn the water off when we brush our teeth. And that allows you to move up um, and put more um, in-depth things that are going to have larger impacts as well. Right. All right. Seth, for, for you folks, what have been, let me front load this with, I, one of the great pleasures of being a camp director over time or, or you know, just being in the industry over time is that the, the seeds that start small, like that garden, they do grow and it's often surprising how fast things grow when you think, when you're, when you're willing to consider camp in years instead of just days or weeks. Uh, what have been some of the, the best long-term impacts for you, Seth, at, at Blue Star, the, the things that have grown and, and really have become part of your culture? Sure. So yeah, I think Jacob and Danny are, are um, both onto it with you know, incremental, yeah. incremental uh, steps rooted in your organizations, in our, in our case, summer camps, agency, um, and the low-hanging fruit, yes, and I think everybody would also uh, agree that there's got to be the bigger the vision, the 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 the, the ten thousand, thirty thousand, however many thousand foot view to which we're all going. And yeah. clearly, Jacob, Danny, and I like to think Lauren and I have we're, we're on a, we're all on a larger mission, right? To heal the planet, yeah. reconnect human beings with nature, however broad, and then the incremental steps are all inching towards there. So that said. Um, one example is a compost. It's been referenced, and it's one that I know many, many camp folks um, think about, have tried to do. So we have absolutely, we're not done on our compost journey. We're far from it. We've learned a lot. But one thing we've done year on year, this is now, this will now be our, I think our third or fourth summer really approaching compost uh, composting, is we started, I think, the first year at one of our massive um, camp-wide events where we had the entire camp's attention uh, and our oldest campers do like a weekend review, funny video, whatever. I had all of the, the cool leadership staff, all of our unit leaders who work with all of our campers across all ages, dressed up silly blue star headbands, bright colors. And we had these painted the arts and crafts, our fine arts, our pottery, our specialty staff. Uh, painted these beautiful comp uh, bins, but made them look really nice. Yeah. And we just did this ridiculous, silly summer camp skit that we made up right before. And they got, they, but they were into it. They had passion. They had purpose. And then those compost bins found their way into each of our dining halls. And you know, we did it like once a week, and we made it really simple. You know, fruits, veggies. That's it. Nothing else. So it was simple. Everybody could do it, and it, of course, it becomes a competition, friendly, which camp group, which division. Yeah. Um, and then we've just grown that year on year, uh, and, and, and now we're finally at a place where, and it's gone to our garden, farm and barn area as well, and some campers who sign up for those options uh, get to experience it at a deeper level. And now we're ready to take the larger step, finally, and actually contract with an organization um, 
uh, in the west, uh, you know, Western North Carolina area to actually take all of our other food waste that's not otherwise being used properly yeah. and actually get get that out of camp to to even better, you know, better usage. So. Uh, starting small, behavior change, get that, and also structurally, how can we take all the other food that's not being, you know, composted by our campers and actually get it to, to good use? So, uh, building it over time. Yep, that's great. Jacob, is is there something that Quartha has been doing or has done that that you feel has had the the greatest impact in terms of inspiring your participants? Yeah. Sure. I'll tell you the story of the creation of our Environment Center, which is one of Canada's most sustainable buildings. And it happened with a partnership with a college where they have sustainable builders. And uh, we got some funding, but I encourage there must be um, natural builders near where you live. So if you're ever going to be thinking about building a new building, consult them because there's some wonderful sustainable technologies out there. At any rate, so the building we built uh, was 26 young people that did it in the space of three months. And uh, it's a beautiful space. You walk in there and there's rainwater harvesting, there's geothermal, all natural materials. When the useful life of the building is over, it returns to the earth. It looks beautiful and say, imagine if everybody lived like this, zero carbon footprint, you know, um, we need spaces that inspire, that activate, that motivate. And I think camps are a great place to do that. So if you're ever gonna be thinking about building, do consider even one sustainable element that's a teaching opportunity. Yeah. And from that one building, we've worked with uh, the teacher's ed program and um, we're now doing eco-mentorship programs, training young teachers to be environmental educators. We're doing that with the early childhood educators. So this one space became a catalyst for all things sustainable. And it might not be workable for many, but it's, it's worth thinking about. Right, that's right. We'd invited uh, past Camp Hacker co-host David Gill to be on, and he wasn't able to join us, but they've certainly done some amazing things in terms of their environmental building work at Ferncliff in Little Rock. Um, Danny, what are what are the things that make this message spread really have impact at the camps? Well, I, I think it comes back to the culture piece of it. Okay. Um, I think it's also kind of beautifying in a little bit. Yeah. You know, speaking speaking for on on behalf of David, they have one of the largest hay bill buildings I think in the United States that they constructed there. Um, and one of my favorite stories of his is they left I think three three or four rooms, they didn't leave any flooring in, they just left it dirt and they're like, we'll come back and figure this out later. Yeah. Um, and so they came back in and I think one floor they had old uh, rotator belts uh, from a factory down the road. They have one, I think they use the glass bottles, the bottom of the bottles or something to do the floor. And so there's a lot of art involved in there as well. And so creative thinking about what resources do we have access to? And I think we can look at those physical resources. I think most camps have what we call at Catalina a boneyard where you've got just a bunch of old um, stuff like yeah. wood, old construction projects put together and say, how can we incorporate the stuff that we have? And I think we can look larger than those resources. And as Jacob mentioned, look at universities in the area. Um, I always recommend looking at uh, utility companies. Call your utility company. Ask them what they can do. We're serving all these youth and we, we want to provide them with education. How can we use our resources that we have access to? And again, it's going to look different for everyone. And so there are a lot of similarities, but you really have to sit down and think about what do we have access to? What resources do we have and how can we make these changes happen? Um, 
And oh my gosh, all the examples, it would take, I, I could go on and on and on about the amazing, like just critical thinking that camps have used to make their programs more sustainable as it applies to them. Um, I think the other, the other point I wanted to kind of add on to that is setting a baseline. And I wrote a, a really good blog article about it. And I think setting a baseline can be one of, is another important step in all this because um, I heard Tom Holland speak at the ACA National Conference. I think it was 2016 that he was speaking, the former ACA uh, CEO. And he was talking about the way we measure the success of our, of our programs. Um, and I believe he said, 100% of schools uh, measure the impact of their programs. And I think the statistic at the time was 20% of camps do that. And so the ability to measure and have clear outcomes, whether it's quantitative or qualitative, is really important. It helps us make sense of the value of what we've done. And so with sustainability, I think we can measure baselines um, as far as what is our current water use? What's our current energy use? How much waste are we currently putting out? How, much, how many pounds of food is, being, is going into the waste stream? And if we can get measurements on that metrics, then as we begin to implement solutions, we can measure and say, what changes have we made? Or you can set goals and say, we want to reduce our water consumption by 5% this year. Yeah. Whereas if you just say, we want to reduce our water consumption this year, you know, there's not there's not any good direction to figure out, well, what, in, what are we going to implement to reach a goal? And how are we going to measure that? To bring that information to our board of directors, to our camp decision makers, and say, we should do more. Look how successful this has been. Um, and I love the research project that came out of the conservation generation efforts at Blue Star um, and Camp Judea. Um, just really, really good um, data that comes out of there that helps us make more informed decisions. That's great. Jacob or, or Seth, is there something that you would say to a camp that is ready to move beyond this, um, you know, we're, we're good at talking about nature stage and into something that has some, some wider impact? Yeah, I think it would be great to get some of your instructors and counselors uh, conversant and understanding how to do good nature education. I keep defaulting back to nature because really nature is just everything living. Mm -hmm. And if you can encourage the kids to begin to recognize that, you know, the world that they live in is more than just people and buildings, that has got to be the very foundation of stewardship and, and sustainability. And, but you can do that in all kinds of fun ways that aren't just purveying information, but it is using drama and using, uh, music and storytelling you know we are storied creatures for thousands of years that's how we transmitted information but if it can be a central part of your programming and then little action pieces that go along with nature so if we're again building butterfly houses or planting gardens or naturalizing then kids take that ethic of stewardship and it begins to unfold and go outward but it starts there how about for you folks seth uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, in addition to uh, what Jacob is sharing, I would say um, really the leadership really putting it out there uh, to the to the community. So to to the leadership team, to re returning veteran staff members, to to longtime families. This is what's important to us. This is where this is where we're going, and getting that you know, getting their feedback, getting folks engaged. Um, I think is a, a you know another element. Uh, so in terms of laying the foundation, laying the groundwork for really being able to build something meaningful, and um, and the other thing I would say, which connects to kind of a, you know part of what we're doing right now today is is to is to engage and partner with other folks. 
So Danny at Green Camps Initiative, um, you know, uh, is is doing this. He's putting us together. He got I, I didn't even realize, but he he got me in touch with the Ferncliff folks last year, uh, and we modeled our uh, evolving conservation policy document on theirs. And we put it, you know, it's in our own language now, but the template is theirs. I mean, very, very explicitly. Uh, and they were happy to share. I mean, it's we all want to share. It's this is part of the the beauty, the uh, and the magic of, of of camp folks is we're all relationship, you know, driven people uh, who are you know are, are in this again for some higher purpose or some higher mission for why we're all here on this planet. Uh, and we all want to engage with others. So there, there's many folks out there. Danny and Green Camps is a great place to start. Uh, to and, and he loves, Danny does, to connect you with other folks. Yeah. That's, it's, and it's really, um, yeah, I think that's another an, another important part. Fantastic. Well, I, I want to I thank the three of you for all of your insight on this and, and for sharing the things that you've been through and uh, all of these great success stories. This is a just the beginning of a conversation i i hope that we get to have more of it um i will <laughs> since we're recording this in april 2017 um i will let you concentrate on camp for now and then we'll speak again in the fall but i i will invite you to come back and have some more of this conversation um and, and share your 2017 success stories with us at that point so thank you all for for everything you've added to this it's great thank you uh, at, at this point, I, I really want to, um, after thanking them, I want to move us on to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. Uh, if you are just joining us, if you're a Green Camps Initiative camp and, and heard from Danny that we're talking about this and uh, it's your first time listening to uh, Camp Hacker. This is episode 101, so I would invite you to check out camphacker.tv slash podcast for all of our past episodes and the things that come from this Tool of the Week section. I was uh, teaching this week at the Mid-States Camp Conference, and, and a number of people came up to me then and said how much they love the Tool of the Week section, but also how expensive it has been for some camps, as they hear other camp directors offer cool suggestions of... Uh, things that can help them be a better camp director. So um, I, I welcome you to the section of the podcast. I'm going to, um, I'm going to start with you, Seth. You had uh, some really interesting stuff that you brought to to the table for your tool. So what, what are you bringing that will help people be a better camp director? Uh, so humbly, I will suggest two, uh, two offerings. Uh, one is an idea that's free. Uh, and one is one is a book that I think you do have to buy. Uh, but the idea is just being relentlessly focused uh, on your organization's core values um, and uh, making them real and bring, bringing them to life uh, and connecting that to the type of internal culture that you're trying to create, because we believe that that radiates out uh, to the world and just um, cannot emphasize that enough. Core values and culture, it's all about that. And that's where I like to spend a lot of my uh, my time. Uh, and then a book to go along with that, our internal professional development for our leadership team this year uh, has been this book, if uh, I don't know if, uh, yep. if everybody's going to see it, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni, might be mispronouncing his name, uh, but recommended to us um, you know, from a, a trusted, a longtime friend of Blue Star uh, and um, been really uh, meaningful for our team. Uh, to engage in, in, you know, in, in a work together, kind of a, you know, a, an internal book club 
uh, towards towards the core values culture end. So that's great. So as follow up to that, then Seth, what do you folks define as the core values of Blue Star? Our core values are let your light shine, bleed blue star blue. When climbing pinnacles, stick together, be a breath of fresh mountain air, and keep on keeping on. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Thank you for those. Um, I'm definitely going to look into that book for sure. That's a, a great one. I think one of the great pleasures of this part of um, of the podcast is the, the massive number of good books that have been recommended. <laughs> Jacob, what's your tool of the week? Oh, no. Here's another book. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and this one um, I helped to write. It's called The Big Book of Nature Activities. I don't know if you can see it there. Um, but it is all about nature activities you can do with kids throughout the year, um, but a big section on summer as well. And it's activating your senses. It is um, learning what lives uh, in different regions throughout North America and what you might find in the insect world, in the bird world, in the mammal world, and lots of creative fun suggestions. And if you can't afford that, that's fine. I know some camps are resource pressed. Um, I'm going to suggest a couple of websites to visit that get at some of the same thing. What's happening in nature at any given time of year? Step Outside is a great one. Just Google Step Outside. Or Drew Monkman Phenology. He's the co-author of this book, and he's a wonderful naturalist, and he'll tell you what's happening in nature. That is great. Thank you, Jacob. What a great idea that ties in so well with the theme. Uh, Danny, what's what's your tool? Oh my gosh, I want to share so many tools right now, Travis. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it focused. Um, so the main one I bring to the table is a, a, a PDF document that I put together with uh, 10 free camp sustainability solutions. Um, and these, as we mentioned before, are kind of those low-hanging fruits, things that are going to take very little to none investment of time, uh, money, or resources to implement new solutions. Some examples are changing the computer settings. Uh, there's a lot of really energy efficient, easy settings that you can change there. Um, maybe doing some battery recycling. Uh, Meatless Mondays, we had a great, uh, on Catalina, we took out meat from one meal a day and we were able to use the savings because bacon is super expensive yeah. uh, to bring in organic produce. And so there's a lot of ways that you can use some of these simple solutions to uh, build upon to find some others. Um, and then create signage for each uh, sustainable solution is another big one. So there's 10 of those on there, super simple to implement. Um, and then the larger resource, this can be found on the Green Camps website under our resource section. Uh, there's tons of stuff on there. Um, I know Seth was talking about composting. I did a composting webinar um, about a year or so ago with Camp Stevens uh, and Julian and Frost Valley uh, in New York uh, with some of their, their composting efforts there. Um, and then just in general, find Green Camps Initiative on Facebook, join our uh, newsletter, and check out our new website that we'll be launching at the end of April uh, for more information about how you can participate and uh, what Green Camps is doing. That's great. Thank you for that. Well, my contribution to the Tool of the Week is um, probably a lot more frivolous than the, what the three of you have brought, uh, but something that um, that I needed as a counselor and, and a, a summer leadership team member but didn't have, um, but something that I have um, picked up since. I, I'm i a person who fidgets and sketches and doodles and that's all part of my, uh, increases my ability to comprehend and, and absorb what's going on when I'm trying to learn things. And we as camp directors always had a, 
a basket of quiet fidget toys um, on the piano in the lodge when we were doing staff training so that staff were getting antsy could pick it up and um, have something to do with their hands could help them listen. And um, being a fidgeter myself, I've been experimenting with little fidget toys. What I have here is a metal, uh, brush metal um, spinner, it's called, I'll post the link in the the show notes that you can find on camphacker.tv slash podcast, but it is a, uh, a toy that just spins and I keep it in my pocket and I find myself sometimes subconsciously pulling it out and playing with it. Um, but I have at all of my years of adulting, I've learned that um, there are times when I'm going to need a little help with focus. And this is a, a fun little thing that um, I use was quite inexpensive and um, I, I think has helped me be a better learner, if nothing else probably a better listener too, I think. Um, so we will post the links to all of these four tools of the week. And uh, you can see all those in the previous ones at camppacker.tv slash podcast. Um, and if you are watching this video on YouTube, instead of being a listener to the show, I would invite you to open up the podcast app on your phone and search for Camp Hacker. That's all one word. And you will see this and our Camp Code podcast as well, both available there that you can subscribe. And that way the show just shows up for you on your phone instead of you having to uh, to go to, to YouTube to find the video. So I think that's a nice and easy way to do it. And there's also, as I mentioned, a hundred previous episodes of this that give you something to listen to when you need a little break from people calling your name so is the one thing that i found at uh, the end of the summer i was like i would like to go through for an hour without somebody just calling my name to ask me something so um we offer you the camp hacker podcast as a solution to that uh i really do want to take time to to thank all three of you for being here for adding so much to the conversation for that's going on with summer camp professionals in general and specific to this issue of what we can do um to give our staff and campers the tools to be better citizens of the world. So I'm grateful for that. What I want to do is just uh, give you each chance to let us know how we can get in touch if people have follow-up questions for some of the things that you've mentioned. Uh, Seth, what's the best way to reach reach out to you? Uh, sure. Email probably uh, is the best connected to all, all devices. Uh, and that's Seth, S-E-T-H, at bluestarcamps.com. Blue Star Camps, all one word, and that's with an S after camp. So bluestarcamps.com. Of course, our website, um, bluestarcamps.com, uh, and, and all of our social media, everything kind of connects interfaces through there. But please do reach out. Brilliant. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, thank you, Travis. It's awesome to have you. Jacob, if people have follow-up questions for you, what should they do? They can email me as well, and I'm at Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, at Camp Kawartha. Camp Kawartha spelled C-A-M-P-K-A-W-A-R-T-H-A dot C-A. Jacob at Camp Kawartha dot C-A. Or you can Google Camp Kawartha. And uh, always a pleasure to speak with people. It excites me to make partnerships. Amazing. Thank you for being here, Jacob. My pleasure. And Danny, you are the man with all the resources and uh, lots of opportunities for camps to get involved in this in big and small ways. If they have follow-up questions for you about the stuff you talked about or about Green Camps Initiative, what should they what should they do? 
Yeah, so our current website, I did mention we're doing a relaunch. Um, so you can check out what we have right now. There's tons of stuff on there. Uh, it's a little overwhelming, so we're going to try to package that down a little bit so it's more user-friendly. Uh, but the website is www.greencampsinitiative.org. Uh, that initiative is not the most fun word to type in there. Uh, but we are doing a relaunch, and we will be changing our name to Green Camps. And so eventually, hopefully by the end of the month, it will be greencamps.org, a lot easier to type in and remember. Yeah. Um, and my email address is just danny at uh, greencampsinitiative.org, which will, again, will change to danny at greencamps. Um, but I would say right now the best way to stay in touch and ask questions is through social media. Uh, follow us on uh, Facebook. And please, you know, we're trying to grow our, our social media presence. Um, and so liking us on Facebook would be a huge benefit. Um, and then on the website, you also you can find a link to join our newsletter. Um Come September, there's going to be some huge things happening uh, as we plan for some big things. I don't want to leak too much about it, but uh, keep an eye out. You'll, you'll see green camps around. I guarantee it. Wonderful. Thank you, Danny, for pulling all, uh, pulling all of us together in this conversation. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for hosting this. This is wonderful. And what a great opportunity to be on the podcast and share the great work of um, Seth and Jacob, two of our founding camp members for green camps. So I appreciate you all. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to all three of you. Again, I've said it a number of times today, go to camphacker.tv slash podcast if you have any um, questions, you want to see the previous episodes, or you'd like the links to get the suggestions um, and the tools from this week. I want to say thank you to Matt, who's our executive producer and editor for all of the work that he does. Uh, we just record these and then Matt does all the extra work of getting these online. So it's it's up to him and we're grateful for for his work in this while he is um, beginning a new camp job. So thank you to him. And um, I want to thank you to our listeners. If you are a subscriber on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube, please do subscribe. But thank you all for for being a part of this discussion about how we as uh, an industry can make this world a better place. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.